You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. Hooray! Delicious Volume 1, Life Tastes Good, is finally at Amazon United States. What is delicious, you ask? Imagine a land where all your favorite foods live as human girls. Here in charming a la carte, under the floating city of heavenly delight, we meet Ramen, a young cook trying to run a restaurant with her family of pastas as they end up in all sorts of wacky adventures and hijinks as these strong, eccentric characters pursue their dreams and passions. Delicious is a beautifully drawn comedy series, which is now finally available to buy in the United States. Click on the banner on one of us, order today, and join in the fun now, because Delicious Volume 2, Yum Yum Yum, is coming really soon. A perfect gift for your child, or those of you who are forever young at heart. One of us strongly recommends this one. I first came across the film duo of Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead when a buddy of mine recommended The Endless from 2017, Resolution from 2012, and Spring from 2017. And I sat down and had a mini movie marathon of those three films. All three of these movies are strange explorations of unsettling horror that aren't actually horror movies by any normal definition, but... More like the idea of horror. They're small budget indie films with very, very small casts and typically just Moorhead and Benson as the main crew with some support from other key positions. Their movies are Lovecraftian in a way, but don't take that to mean you're going to see anything because they never actually show anything horrific. Rather, they present the inexplicable and wandering narratives They made enough of a splash in the indie circuit to make Syncratic for Netflix, but as that made very little impact for them or cinema, they have once again returned to their shoestring, scrappy-doo, independent movie-making roots with Something in the Dirt. Something in the Dirt is being called a science fiction comedy film, but I heartily disagree with that. Mm. It is written by Justin Benson and directed by and starring Benson and Aaron Moorhead. When neighbors John and Levi witness shocking supernatural events in their Los Angeles apartment building, they realize documenting the paranormal could inject some much-needed fame and fortune into their humdrum lives. I am T.C. DeWitt of the Screener Squad, and I am joined by Neil. Hello. And LeWayne. Uh, hey, how's it going? (laughs) I'm getting a sense of LeWayne's feelings about this movie right away. Gentlemen, were either of you familiar or fans of Moorhead and Benson before this? And what did we think about Something in the Dirt? I've heard of them. I've had their films recommended to me. I haven't had a chance to watch them. And now I guess I have to. <laughs> Do you? That's okay. Neil, how about you? Have you heard of these guys before? I had not heard of their movies. So I went in pretty clean with this. But 
seeing it, I'm really interested to see what else they've done. This is very on brand for them. The the style of this movie, the feel of this movie, the strangeness of this movie is very in line with the type of movies they make. Syncretic aside, I actually think that was detrimental to the type of movies they will say excel at because it was a big Netflix budget. Anthony Mackie starred in it. it. It has all the sheen of what should be a Hollywood movie with their sensibilities and it never truly meshes. This, these guys are better suited in this very obscure, independent. They're in the same league as Primer, right? You try to recommend Primer to someone who loves big booming blockbusters or Scorsese movies, and they're going to be like, this is shitty. That scene's not even in focus. Well, that's fine. It's for a very specific audience, and I think Moorhead and Benson. That's not my issues with Primer, whether or not it's in focus or not. (laughs) And I was actually going to invoke Primer as well as a couple other indies that are in this spectrum of films that they're going after a big bite of the apple, and I think for the most part they succeed. I think it's because these two, these two are so good together, and you're interested in them mm-hmm. that the sci-fi, occult, supernatural, blub, new age, whatever, is secondary, and you almost don't give a shit. You want to see them conversing more, and the the phenomenon just sparks more and more of their relationship budding. But like, primer's overcooked, in my opinion. It's a <laughs> cool idea, but by the end. They're going, did you get it? Because we, we didn't. What happened in this? What's fucking on? <laughs> but you look at Memento, you look at everything everywhere all at once that are smallish like that, but take a huge bite. And mm-hmm. it, a lot of it, you connect with the people. You may not know fully what's going on, and that's fine, but you connect. Primer, I never connected. This movie, I do connect with these two. I don't totally empathize or sympathize, but I find them interesting. Yeah. Well, Luane, you made a noise as I was describing this, and I'm curious where your feelings lie on this. Well, I will agree with Neil. I don't know that I like either of the leads, but it's kind of hard not to watch them. Mm -hmm. If nothing else, to see what the hell's going to happen now and how or if any of it all actually wraps up or not. It's... I, uh... (laughs) like i couldn't stop well i was about to say i couldn't stop watching it that's not true i had a bunch of network issues so i actually had to stop watching it multiple times had i been able to watch uninterrupted i would have watched uninterrupted Mm -hmm. because when this first starts in tc or filmmaker you periodically i'm sure have had that thing where you're like oh i could i could make this movie it's just a couple of guys in an apartment and then it gets further along and i'm like no i'm definitely would not (laughs) even considered doing this because I would have had no faith that anybody would have watched the damn thing. And uh, I did watch the damn thing. Mm -hmm. And I have yet to decide if I want to watch it again to see if I can actually make sense of it or if (laughs) the fact that it doesn't fully make sense is part of the point. I haven't seen their previous work, so I can't... But you have just described all their previous works. Weirdly, (laughs) where where these two thrive as filmmakers, as storytellers, they write very interesting, engaging dialogue that that sounds natural but doesn't sound like a conversation you typically hear from anyone. That's a weird mishmash of ideas, but the way these two write their scripts and then thus perform the scripts, especially in this, they're interesting they're fast it's just you you can't help but listen as you've both said you were engaged by what these guys were doing and saying but it's hard to say like do you like these guys do you know what was happening in this movie and i don't think that necessarily matters because they craft 
very good character and conversation. Well, I think they do get lost in the weeds with their presentation because they mix which part is Doc, which part we're seeing through the real lens, their lens. Their, the word reenactment comes up in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's found footage sometimes. Then we jump the testimonials. So wait, am I in the dock or not? Like, yeah, I think it's meant to keep you on your toes. Yeah, but it knocks you completely off your toes a lot of times. Where you're like, okay, you've introduced the possibility of reenactments. Is this one or not? Mm-hmm. That's cheating if you're not going to give me any clues. So I think that does detract from it. Like if they would have kept with a couple of modes of the storytelling, but they have like four or five. Yeah, and all of the... them are unreliable. <laughs> like, yes. There's no for the most part. I believe the, the testimonials, but they're from other people. Right. Yes. Not these yeah. two at all. Oh, yeah, there's nothing honest about these two <laughs> in, in in any element of the. Oh, how many times does one of them go? Okay, the thing about that is because something else got unraveled. Right. Of his past, constantly. Hey, I googled you. You're on a sex offenders list. Oh, right. well, let me yeah. explain. <laughs> And that guy, if you're not paying attention, he almost tells nothing of his past. He's completely holding it back, but he wants to know everything else about the other guy. Right. Mm-hmm. And we learn tons about him and very little about the other. Well, yeah. and then there's an element of the character of John that keeps getting brought up periodically, usually when they're fighting about something, The that he effectively belongs to like an apocalyptic church. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. so is this going to be an element of this? What is, well, kind of in it sort of informs John's behavior, but it doesn't lead the story where I suspected it might go, given what was going on. And it was also weird to envision a church in which they're focused on the apocalypse, but not about God. Exactly. Mm, It's a science cult. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, so there's this thing called the happy science cult in some Asian country that this reminds me of, but... I don't know. It, it was just, I spent a lot of time going, wait a minute, but you, oh, never mind. None of this is okay. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't matter what anybody said at any given point in this. Well, I actually got to go see a screening of this in a theater with Moorhead and Benson there doing a Q&A afterwards. Oh. So there's three things I took away from the Q&A after watching this that enlightened me, didn't exactly explain a lot of the movie per se, but it did enlighten me on what I had just seen and what uh, therefore I'm going to share with you guys. One, they made this during COVID. So for most of the movie, it really was just the two of them in their apartment filming this. And I give them credit because we've seen a bunch of COVID movies in the past two and a half years now, and some of them really feel like it. This does feel very isolated, very small. The thing is, if you watched their other three movies right now, you'd think those were COVID movies. Sure. So this was like the perfect time for them to make a movie exactly how they make it. It didn't exa- I didn't get I didn't get a sense of COVID. I think cause you hear a lot of you hear neighbor chatter that but but you can't tell what they're saying. You hear traffic, you hear mm-hmm. horns. Like it feels like it's nowish and not yeah. isolated and like sterile. Like no sound, no people. No, they they I don't know how mm-hmm. hard they worked at that, but you hear the environment around them all the time. If it's the creaking of the building, yes, yes. traffic, someone talking from far away, whatever, you pick up tiny pieces of things. Uh, so I didn't know it was filmed during COVID at all. That brings up their third character in the movie. We have our two main characters. The third character of the movie, as they saw it, is the city of Los Angeles. Sure. They made this movie as this representation of 
L.A. And one of the best examples of how they captured that is in pretty much the very beginning of the movie. The two of them meet. They're talking. And in the distance, a helicopter flies overhead towards a massive wildfire. Right. And they don't. They just kind of look at like, anyway. So back to the conversation we were having. And that is pretty typical of this city. I live out here. And that, that sort of ambivalence to the, the major threats of reality. Like, no, no, we're in our own little myopic world just trying to survive. And there's there's a lot of things within this movie that feel very L.A., that feel very much like the film industry, how these two guys interact with each other, how they lie to each other, how everyone's got an angle, how yep. they think this is their big break. There's one of the two, I don't recall which, refers to L.A. as being like Halloween all the time. Yes. Oh, my and God. And as soon it. as they said that, I'm like, oh, so this is a world in which the weird is just normal mm -hmm. for some reason that phrase was sufficient for me to just recognize that whatever weird shit was going to happen was just going to happen yeah. and i wasn't probably going to get an explanation because nobody really cares what the explanation is because it's just another weird thing in la mm -hmm. and i seen it with an la crowd there was some good round of applause for a line like that because <laughs> boy could we all agree <laughs> Where I took umbrage, and I said this in my introduction, is calling this a comedy. They're selling this as a sci-fi comedy. I would no. never call this movie a comedy. It is humorous. There's a lot of you're laughing at these morons. Right. But please, please do not look at this and think you're going to get a Will Ferrell movie. Like, this oh, is not a yeah, comedy. Not even close. I think sci-fi... You're, you're not even going to get an Edgar Wright. I think sci-fi yeah, I mean, is stretching it, too. I don't know where to exactly put this, because it crosses lines of conspiracy occult supernatural sci-fi like it's not just one thing mm -hmm. at all so that description is a stretch both i have umbrage with both tags i will agree with you the sci-fi element also feels thin as well which is why it's hard for me to pitch any of these movies to people because i yeah sure i can kind of call them horror i kind of call them lovecrafting but I, I made it clear up top they never show you anything there's no right. standard horror tropes here there's no standard like visuals that are going to go, oh, that are going to elicit any nightmares, but it's very weird and unsettling. And where I think this movie is difficult to follow is the last little bit of information I took away from the Q and a, the first cut of this is four hours long. Of course it is. That tracks. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they had to cut multiple subplots <laughs> to this movie. So I don't know if more of this would have made it, substantially better but there is quite a bit of unanswered questions left on the table that made me like am i supposed to sit here and contemplate the meaning of this and the meaning of these characters and the choices they made but again i'm describing all their movies but yeah i i have this strange feeling of satisfaction of the end where it did go and where it could go and mm -hmm. to stay away from spoilers yes. no but a lot of these i think where they miss is they got to do a big stinger or a, a big reveal. Mm -hmm. This has a teeny tiny one of my interpretation, but was still satisfying at the end of this, this weird little journey we took that. And yeah, there's to your point too, there's no threat in this movie other than were you recording when that happened? Like that's their biggest, right. <laughs> their, their biggest angst is created not out of the strange fucking shit going on in this apartment, but were you recording? Did we get that? Like that's their that's yeah. the tenseness yeah. of this movie. It's because they're trying to capture everything <laughs> on like 
two dozen different cameras and including little wind up film ones. They're doing everything. Well, and that's you made the comment that that there is an ending. And I would argue that it is definitive because this movie only works when the two of them are in that place doing those things. If that's not what's going to happen, which obviously, given the ending, is not going to continue, the story is concluded Mm -hmm. because they are the story. The phenomena is the element that triggers their story. So four hours, two hours, whatever it is, the story has concluded. And I can't guess that adding another couple hours is going to give it a more definitive meaning. What's so interesting, even just how we're talking about this movie is unless someone had watched the trailer or was familiar with these guys' work, I think people just listening to this review cold would be like, I don't know anything about this movie. You guys aren't telling me anything. And that's the weird thing about this is that we kind of are. Right. Well, and we're not too far ahead of them. We've seen it and, quote unquote, know everything. We're barely one tick ahead of them on the scale. That's it. We don't know shit. Yeah. (laughs) A guy moves into an apartment. He meets the guy downstairs. The new apartment, they witness an event, a very surreal, strange event. And they just decide, hey, if we document this, we can make a documentary, sell it to Netflix for, I don't know, what do you think, $400,000? Does that sound like how much money Netflix up? And, and then And then we'll be famous. That's that's the, the simplest way I can explain this movie. But really, it's not about that. It's about these two guys lying to each other and trying to be friends while using each other and you just watch this unfold and just one question after another is presented with very various degrees of answers (laughs) so if that's the type of movie you want to watch i don't just recommend something in the dirt i'm going to recommend endless resolution and spring particularly endless and resolution because those two are connected and there's a loose connection between those two and this movie. And you're going to see all the themes and stuff here and in, in something that you're going to you're going to be able to see in all the movies that these guys have made. Again, even Syncratic, I don't think that one's even worth watching because it's not in their wheelhouse to play with so much money. They're better off shooting on shitty little cameras with just the two of them. Uh, but I suppose with with that, I could just roll that into some final thoughts here. If this has somehow convinced you, good luck, because this is a movie that is going to engage you and, and ask you a lot of questions. And this is something that's worth talking about with other people. I There's something specific I want to talk about with Luane and Neil here when we end, because there's a lot to do with how this culminates. And I wonder if Neil and I came to the same conclusion. But here I am saying it one more time. I recommend all these guys' movies if you're interested in this strange indie pocket. Other than that... I just can't recommend this to other uh, anyone else. I cannot recommend this to you if you are looking for something that explains itself, if you're looking for something that's very clearly a genre, this isn't going to be for you. So end of the day, I'm going to give this six out of 10 changes in the editing team. Neil, why don't you go next? I don't know why, but I really love the title too. Just something in the dirt. <laughs> it gives you no clue where you're starting, what you're dealing with at all. It just, I think it's catchy. And that's still two plus days out from watching this. I'm still digesting parts of it. I know I enjoyed watching it. I don't know how soon I want to watch it again. I'm pretty sure I don't want to watch a four hour version. <laughs> no. Maybe a three hour version. But four hour I don't I don't 
I think it would get really thin at that point because this this they got down to the really good stuff between these two. And strangely enough, I felt satisfied by that ending. I'm gonna check out their other stuff. There there are people I know I can recommend this to that would give it a fair shot. Um, and this is not some fucking flip of the coin French artsy thing. Mm-hmm. When you flip that coin, it's either it's gonna make some sense or no sense. It's not one of those. It doesn't feel like those. It's just full of its own arrogance. This doesn't feel arrogant. It feels like when you did the opening for their other three movies, I'm like, he's describing this one dead on. Yeah. That it's more about what they don't show, letting you fill in the blanks, and what these two characters that they're playing, the interactions they have. That's more important than all the crazy shit going on around them. I'm going to give it 7 out of a 10 packs of smokes because they at least at least oh. went through that many during this movie yeah this movie was brought to you by marlboro reds <laughs> well i was actually thinking benson and hedges because that's what their name reminded me of ah there you go <laughs> Lane, go ahead with your final thoughts we were trying to figure out what to call this movie and we just disagreed with pretty much everything everybody calls it sci-fi whatever else i think i figured out what it is which is it's a drama because these two are the most realistic people in a surrealistic film. Oh, great. Well, very well put. I think that's ultimately what we're dealing with. It's a movie about two dudes in an apartment. There's a lot of those. The only difference is this one has these particular phenomena happen. But the phenomena are like, yeah, okay, whatever. Effects, great. That's cool. It is watching these two interact with each other that is what keeps any audience, I would guess, watching this. I definitely don't need the four hour version of this. I think that this at, at about two hours is probably sufficient because after a while it's, I'm going to like spending time with these two a lot less in the end. I'm going to give this three and a half out of five of these guys movies. I need to see. <laughs> there you That's very well put. <laughs> well, I'm very interested to hear what the listeners have to say about this movie. And we don't normally elicit this from, Uh, our listeners when we do the reviews but seriously if you give this a watch and you have thoughts and feelings about it go to the one of us.net's facebook page and comment on this review because i would love to know what some people's theories are about how this culminates or what your thoughts about what the point of all this was uh but yeah so thank you for joining me you two and now uh why don't we make a documentary about reviewing this so let's do a reenactment of the review we just did Sound good? With new special effects. Yeah, yeah. I first came across the film duo of Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead when a buddy of mine recommended The Endless. Right? Does this sound good? Am I, am I doing well right here? That's a good start. Yeah, I think we're good. Oh,